In today's show, we talk Dwayne Wade making his final appearance in Portland, Blazers making a move early before the deadline and picking up Rodney Hood, Tobias Harris is on the move, what bad contract would you have the Blazers move, and so much more. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is PJ Miller, and along with me is Larry. Larry, how are you doing today, bud? Hey, great. Um, just, you know, refreshing the Woj Twitter account as fast as is humanly possible. Yeah, we already had one uh, breaking trade last night. I'm sure in the next uh, less than 24 hours trade deadline here, I'm sure there's going to be more. Maybe one will uh, we'll break while we're talking. I'm surprised one didn't break during Woj's TV show. I thought he might have, you know, one lined up that he, he knew about that he would just ask someone to sit on for half an hour so he could do it on the air. Wouldn't have been great to see him just get on his phone and, and tweet it out live. Well, that's almost what I was expecting for him. If he's going to have a, you know, a national half hour show, the whole thing went by without one breaking deal. And it's like a little bit of a letdown. All right, so let's uh, let's get started with uh, the Blazers. Uh, last night, uh, tough tough loss to Miami. Um, had a late comeback in the fourth quarter, uh, but uh, just wasn't quite enough. Dwayne Wade coming back for his final game in Portland. Uh, what were your thoughts from the game? I think Dwayne Wade, if he wants to retire, should still unretire every time the Heat play Portland because he lights them up like crazy. He sees Portland, and for some reason, he goes, he just turns back the clock. I mean, and it was fun to see. I've always liked him, respected him as a player. He's a good guy. Um, and he wasn't the only one. I, I think um, between Whiteside and uh, their shooting guard, that they made their first like nine or 10 shots in a row. Portland played no defense and whether that was a little bit of rust, they looked a step slow. Honestly, Dame looked almost uninterested and, and I've, I've rarely seen that out of him. CJ was on fire. Jake was really on fire until the last couple of minutes. He missed a couple of shots, but he, he was smoking for a while. So a couple of good things. Nurkic disappeared, and, and Whiteside gives him fits just from his size and strength. So maybe that shouldn't be too unexpected. But I, I guess after five days off, maybe you can take a little bit of that. But, man, that's that's a tough game to lose when you've got such a long road trip coming up. Yeah, especially where they're at in the standings. You know, it's so bunched up that these games like this, especially when you're at home – you know, when you when we broke down schedules, you know, Miami was a win. So that means you got to pick up one of those ones that maybe you didn't think was going to win um, in order to, uh, you know, get a top four seeding. Well, yeah. And now they play. I mean, they host the Spurs and you would think, OK, a home game, they should win that. But if somehow they were to lose that game, they would effectively be tied with the Spurs. Uh, they would have one less loss. Spurs would have one more win. So, like you said, it is very bunched up. The Rockets are, you know, a game back. Spurs are a game, game, game and a half back. It is really, really tight. I, now, maybe there's a little fall off because I don't know if you would expect the Clippers to stay in. Probably the Kings or the Lakers jump up and get that number eight spot now with uh, 
the Clippers trading Tobias Harris, but it is it is really, really tight. You want to see the Blazers going up and not down. Yeah, and, you know, obviously making a trade. He wasn't able to play last night, Rodney Hood. Um, and uh, I want to get into that in just a second, but uh, I was just uh, monitoring Twitter, and Casey Holdall and the Trailblazers just tweeted out that they are uh, going to do a 50-year um, – celebration for the team next year and uh, one of the things that they're going to do is they're going to play a game at the memorial coliseum next year in the preseason i mean that'll be fun it will seem very cramped i've I've been in there a couple times since they stopped playing basketball games there and you know growing up that's where all the games were but now when you go to to the motor center you go back to memorial coliseum and it seems small it seems really small really old I mean, that's nice to do it for the 50-year thing, but, uh, you know, nice thing for the fans, some some memory stuff, and they'll drag out, all, you know, whatever celebration-type things and videos and, and have some people back. But that, that place is tiny, tiny, tiny in comparison now. You don't realize how small it is unless you, unless you go back. Yeah, I think it's, what is it, like ten or 12,000? It's going to be interesting to see, you know, um, season ticket holders, obviously – pre-pay for preseason games, are they going to be able to get all the season ticket holders into that game? Yeah, I don't know what it holds now. I mean, back in the day, it was 12,666. Now I don't know what the seating is where they they really just do hockey there, maybe some basketball, high school or stuff once in a while. But I don't know for a pro event what the capacity is. So I have no idea. It might just be season ticket holders and and – but not like all of those show up for a preseason game anyhow. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into the thing that everybody wants to hear about, uh, Portland Trailblazers making a trade. Um, what, did you, uh, what did you think about the, uh, the acquisition of Rodney Hood and uh, what Portland had to give up? Just based on what they had to give up and who they got, it's a good trade. Rodney Hood is the best player out of the all the players that were involved. You gave a, cu- a couple – second round draft picks I, I think portland only has one second round draft pick in the next six drafts which you know you can go buy one no big deal hood is better than it than who they gave up i don't know where he fits on this roster it, it begs another move um which i would like to see but whose minutes is he going to take i know whose minutes i would like him to take i don't think that's going to be the case I would like it to be Turner's, but I, I doubt that happens. It's probably more, we go from what we saw last night, it, it may come from Harkless Aminu and the Blazers may go really small. Jake Lehman played a good portion of last night's game at the four. So, I, you know, he's played, he's played some two, he's played mostly three, he played some four. I don't know if that was Stotts getting him ready for Hood coming in, but someone's going to lose minutes, you know, Stotts, Stotts says, you know, you do the math and I'm hoping that's not layman, even though it's, it's like the same position. So you have to get a little bit creative where you put hood in and then how he fits into playing with everyone else. He, he's really not a passer. He's not really a facilitator. He can create a little bit for himself. He can get hot, but He's another ball-dominant guy, and 
we'll see how that works out. I mean, it's it's a win from a trade. They got the best player. Now, how do all the pieces fit together? Interesting comment, and I don't know if it was last night or if it was during uh, maybe a, a practice today. Um, someone was asking him about Lehman and if Lehman's made the case to, you know, stay in the lineup, and he said, "We'll see." So I don't. Kind of the impression that I got is that maybe something was going to be happening here in the next 24 hours, um, but that's kind of a weird statement to say we'll see at this point in time. Um, you know, obviously Rodney Hood hasn't played yet, so you know it's going to see how it how it all washes out. But it kind of seemed like maybe there's a little bit more behind it. It's it's rarely is Stotts asked anything about Layman where the comment is very positive or confidence inspiring for Jake. And I don't know, I don't know what the, what the issue is. He starts sometimes seems irritated by questions about layman. Um, he'll roll his eyes. He'll chuckle a little bit. And I don't see him do that with, I can't think of anyone else on the roster. He's done that with. So who knows, maybe that's just Stotts giving a quick off the cuff answer, but it, it, you know, for all the games early in the year when Jake would have a really good game and then the next game he'd be a DNP, I think some Blazer fans are afraid that that's going to happen again. Stop for some reason, I, and it just, it's a gut feeling, Stotts doesn't really seem to like Lehman playing a lot or doing well. And I know that that makes no sense, but you'll see other players do things that Lehman does that Stotts may not like and just completely ignore it won't say anything about it just as you know glowing things to say about the player and if jake does those same things he'll speak in more vague negative comments you know well he could have done this or he missed a couple shots here or whatever and you don't you don't hear him say that about you know someone like you know pick a player nurk if he has an off night dame cj cj's had a couple games that were you know five for 19 games he's never said anything like that he does with layman and i don't know why that is um, but it seems to happen fairly often. So we're, we're going to find out sh- soon. Yeah, I think it was a good example when Lehman had that 20-point quarter. They really never went back to him. I don't think he scored the rest of the game, and they never really ran any plays for him in the second half. And it was really kind of strange given how hot he was that they didn't try to you know, go back to him more or maybe highlight him or maybe even give him some extra minutes. But in the second half, he didn't really seem like he played all that much. No, he he came in in that twenty point quarter. The next, then when he came in later in the second half, he played very few minutes and got pulled. He missed a couple of shots, got pulled, and that that was it. So, again, it, it's it's a weird vibe when when Jake's. It's like Jake almost has to be on fire, or he's going to get pulled. It, which and that doesn't apply the same to everyone else out there. Um, and there are times if if the Blazers get more used to him as players get more used to him. Even last night, he was, he was 10 for his first 12 and he finished with 25 points. He could have easily had 30 points if his teammates were looking for him because there were multiple times over and over that he would make a cut to the basket, be wide open, you know, for a lob, for a, for a cut lay in, whatever. And they just, they wouldn't, they wouldn't pass in the ball. So either they're still getting used to him or, you know, they're so stuck trying to get Damon CJ their shots that it just, it doesn't fit. I don't know what it is, but, but I went back and watched 
parts of that game last night again. And, and there were, there were at least five or six different opportunities Jake had for an uncontested look at, at the rim and people just didn't throw him the ball. So hopefully they get more used to him as he's playing more minutes. He, he played, I think 32 minutes last night, which was great. He should have, um, but he's, he's a guy that fits in so well because he does not dominate the ball. If he gets it, he shoots it, passes it, dunks it, and it's gone. And it so keeps the Blazers in their rhythm and, and gets, you know, keeps everyone else moving. There's no isolation. There's no ball domination. There's no dribbling. It, it's very much in the flow. And the more of that, the better. Yeah, it kind of brings us back to Rodney Hood and kind of what is what is his style of play. Um, you know, from seeing him in the past against the Blazers, both with Utah and Cleveland, um, he seems a little bit more ball dominant. Um, he's a guy who probably not going to be standing in the corner shooting threes. Um, he's going to be, you know, put the ball in his hands. Um, he's going to be able to go into the low post. He can take off the dribble a little bit. He can shoot from the outside. Um, I think he's more in the mold of a CJ Damien than he is a Harkless or a layman um, in the in the fact that he would be able to create a little bit more offense. Not the best passer, um, so he is kind of a ball stopper, more in the the mold of CJ. Well, and that's the thing. Where does he fit in? Because if he's if he's goes into the starting lineup with Dame and CJ, where does he get his looks that he's more comfortable with? If he's in the second unit with with Turner and Curry again where, where do those looks come from it, it's going to take a while for them to get used to each other which always happens after a trade but he's not the type of guy that that fits in real seamlessly for the style of offense especially that he plays yeah I, I think it's going to just be really interesting I think that the initial reaction from a lot of uh, Blazer fans when the Hood trade was made is that means that CJ is available and maybe they're making a play. Hood probably could step into a, um, a starting role at the two guard. Um, but from everything that, that I'm hearing, it sounds like more they they want him to maybe play the three, um, whether that's off the bench or, or starting. But that he wants to, that the Blazers want to pair him with uh, with both CJ and uh, Lillard. And therein is where you get to the minutes crunch. If if he's playing the three, where does Jake play? What happens to Harkless? You know, are Aminu's minutes affected? I mean, somewhere up there, if he's playing the three and and not, you know, a backup two, getting some of his minutes there, and it's mostly at the three you're going to have one of those wing guys, you know, being out of the rotation. And I think it's interesting because it could also be a hedge to Mo, Har- Mo Harkless and his knee, the uncertainty there. I mean, he, he'll be off for nine days, play one game, and then uh, be off again. So, you know, it, it could be a little bit of a hedge to make sure that they have someone to be able to play down the stretch that they know that they're going to be able to count on to be there every single day. And it could be because Mo's knee has still, I mean, we're, we're four months into the season and his knee is still not 100% after what was considered a fairly minor procedure this last summer. So uh, it, it possibly could be the, the Blazers need a consolidation trade. They, they've got a lot of quantity guys. They need some more quality. And I don't know if, if Neil's up for that, if ownership is up for that, but 
they they need. I mean, J- Jake Jake last night, and again, guy coming off the bench had over three times as many combined points as Harkless and Aminu together, and more than double the rebounds that they had combined. So they, I mean, they're just not they're not putting up production right now. And Aminu didn't play a lot of minutes. And that's that's part of it. Harkless, I think, took one shot. So I, there there needs to be something. You're, Rodney Hood's a nice piece. He's not getting you. He's not the difference between winning winning a first round series and getting to the second, or or even thinking about winning a second round series. It, it, it's a decent piece. I think you won the trade, but but that's that's not enough. It it, it won't make any difference in in the Blazers. Uh, playoff run that they that they have. Yeah, I mean, maybe a game. You know, he gets hot for a game, but other than that, it, it's just not a big enough mood move to make a difference. So, Blazers not the only one making moves. Um, another big trade happened uh, about two in the morning last night, and uh, between the Clippers and Philadelphia. And uh, Harris is on the move over to Philadelphia. So I think that that gives Philadelphia four guys that, you know, arguably could be max guys on other teams. Um, It's going to be interesting to see kind of long-term what they're doing. And then for the Clippers, it's kind of just really uh, restocking what they have. They, they know they're not going anywhere. He's an expiring contract. So I think it was a, it was probably one of those trades where it ends up working out well for both teams. I think so too. Clippers are going to have a lot of draft picks and whether they use those to do something this summer. Uh, Landry Shamit is, is a nice young player. Some of the rest of those guys be gone shortly. You know, the thing with having, you talked about four max players, how do you get equal production for a number three and number four max contract? Let, let, I mean, take, take Portland, for instance, if you had, Dame with a max, CJ's close to a max. Let's say you had Nurkic at a max and somehow brought in, you know, what whatever, Blake, Blake Griffin. You got four guys on a max, but you're not going to get max production out of four guys, even though you're paying them all at that level, because there's just not enough, there's not enough ball to go around to get that many points. I mean, you're going to have a, a number three and a number four guy scoring. 12, 13, 14 points a game. And is that worth a max contract? Now, if it's somebody that is a lockdown defender, okay, but Dame's not that, CJ's not that, Nurkic is a good rim protector. But none of those guys do anything else really, really well. And so when I look at what Philly's done, you know, Embiid, if he's going to be a max guy, Simmons, but man, Simmons can't, still can't shoot outside of five feet. Uh, Jimmy Butler, he can play some defense, but he wants his points. So he's not going to sacrifice points like, say, um, Draymond Green does for, for the Warriors. He's willing to sit back and, and not score a lot of points, play play defense, pass the ball. And then um, you bring in Tobias Harris. He wants his his touches as well. So I, I, I don't know. I, all those guys are going to want their money, and you're not going to get max level production out of certainly the number four guy, and I don't think the number three guy. Yeah, it's really interesting when you look at uh, Butler. 
and after the trade happened, you know, probably a, a month later, he was already starting to complain about his number of touches and how the offense flows. And now you're going to bring in a guy, Harris, who is definitely more offensive. And I just don't know where all the touches are going to come for each one of those guys. Yeah, you talked about Butler being able to, to, to play some defense. But on the offensive end, definitely someone's going to have to take a step back. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of that chemistry. Um, I think Woj was talking about it, how all of them signed off on uh, hey, coming, um, coming over, and they all wanted it. So, you know, hopefully in the long run they they make it work because if they can make that work, that's a that's a huge um, Eastern Conference foe. When you're looking at you know an Eastern Conference that's that's very very weak, that could be a team that could dominate for for you know the next five, six years um, if they can lock all of those guys down. No, absolutely, they could, and, and and you still have JJ Redick. You know he's got to get his shots, but he doesn't he doesn't take much out of the offense. He's a real catch and shoot guy. He's not putting the f- ball on the floor like all the other four of those guys are. So he's one of those guys that can fit in fairly seamlessly. Um, that will be interesting to see how that works out. If, if if Butler was complaining when there was just the big three, how long until hey, if they're winning, you won't hear any complaints. If they're not winning, or if they don't at least make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I'll bet you hear some grumbling. So on also the Eastern Conference, um, you know, we do, we heard a little bit about uh, Anthony Davis with the Lakers. Doesn't sound like there's much going there. It looks like it's a very one-sided conversation. Um, and uh, the Lakers, you know, not uh, doesn't seem like they have the assets that maybe the Pelicans want, or maybe they just don't. Uh, there aren't a team that they want to uh, participate with as far as a trade. They don't want to feel like they're pressured into that. But you look at a team like Boston next year, um, if they can uh, convince uh, New Orleans to hold off, you know, that would be another team that would make a a, a good run at Anthony Davis. Boston certainly has the assets this summer uh, to to make a deal. Um, or, and I talked, I talked to somebody who, who thought this might just be Danny Ainge messing with the Lakers and he won't, he won't give up what the Pelicans want, but if he stalls the talks from now until the summer, it it just hurts the Lakers. And that's just the Celtics Lakers rivalry. I, I do give the Lakers credit for basically offering up everything but ownership of, of the Staples arena. I think they included the draft rights to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, and Jeannie Buss's dog. I mean, they threw in everything, all, all their players, all their draft picks. And, and you saw how that discussion and all that social media buzz affected the team last night. I mean, they got just blown out by the Pacers and that's, you know, without Oladipo playing. So it, it certainly those guys are, are feeling it. The maybe the best chant I've ever heard when uh, Ingram was at the line shooting free throws last night with the with the Indianapolis crowd chanting, "LeBron's going to trade you." That that was that that can't as a player that you hear that, and I don't care what players say about oh, you know I blocked it out. I don't I don't pay any attention. That's unique enough. You hear that, and and it affected the way they played last night. They were terrible. Well, and this was great. It was a great visual. You looked out at the bench, and there's no less than three seats between LeBron and everybody else. He's down at the end of the bench. No one's sitting next to him. He's not interacting with anybody. He's just sitting there by himself, and he's kind of done that to 
to this team. And I think if nothing happens in the next, you know, 24 hours, there's going to be a lot of backpedaling and there's going to be a lot of, oh, it was the franchise's choice to offer all those people and make it public. It wasn't LeBron. And I think there's going to have to be a lot of uh, fence mending and, and backpedaling in order to, you know, try to save what's left of this season. Well, absolutely. And the, the Lakers are on, are on the clock. They want this deal now because if they don't, if they don't get it until next summer, now you've got, I mean, you've just, you've got one, one year to try and, and make this work until you can get in maybe another, you know, add another piece. I mean, LeBron's going to be 36 years old by the, by the end of Davis's current contract. That that's why I, that's why I think, and I don't think he's coming to Portland that I've been adamant that it would be a big deal for Portland to get someone like a Davis or, you know, any big name like that. Not, not so much for this season. Yes, you make a run, but it's for next season because LeBron's getting older. You don't know what's going on with, with golden state. We talked about that a little bit before, and, and they do have a lot of fence mending to do down there. How lucky are we in Portland to have a star and a team leader like, like Damian Lillard? Can you imagine him ever doing anything like that, separating himself from the team? It would never happen. It, it would never happen. And, and we may take some of that for granted. You know, Dame's been here a while now, but, but that's something I – just I can't even imagine happening. Dame would keep it much more in-house. It wouldn't be the social media, and you would never see the visual that you saw with that picture. That that was a very telling picture. That 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 they say pictures are worth a thousand words. That that one might have been worth a couple couple thousand right there. Yeah, it was interesting when uh, Dame. Uh, I, I think it was probably a month month and a half ago. They were asking about trades and does he put his input in there and he says that he doesn't really want to have that kind of input he doesn't want to affect you know his fellow teammates lives um, in that manner he doesn't want to say trade somebody and then you know you don't know what's going to happen to that teammate they may end up in a place where you know he's not appreciated and you know he's out of the league in two years so you know it's a very stark contrast to what is going on with a lot of these players and a lot of these teams where people are trying to manipulate the system and, and try to get these super teams. And, and Damien just kind of seems like he just wants to, you know, come every day, work hard and uh, be one with the guys that he has on his team and, and, and ride with them. So um, I think it's a good, um, it's definitely a good leadership quality um, that I think Damien brings that, you know, maybe some of these other, uh, these other talents are lacking. It is. I, I wouldn't mind if he recruited a little harder and, and if he does that behind the scenes and, and doesn't go public with it, I'm, I'm fine with that as well. But that's just the nature of the NBA nowadays. These guys talk, they discuss, they, you know, they vacation together. Uh, hopefully that is happening where we don't see it. And I think that that would be the way that Dame would do it. So just quick, uh, I want to get your read, uh, I believe it was at the two days ago when they were asking Damian, did he think that there were going to be any more moves? The caveat was said with the Blazers or with the league. Everyone is kind of interpreting it that maybe it could be with the Blazers. Um, do you think that Neil O'Shea would keep Damian involved or let him know if the Blazers had something coming up? Or do you think that Damian was talking more about league-wide uh, trades? You know, I, I, it. I had to go back and listen to that question several times because it was in the background and it was garbled. Uh, 
but that the, the question was more league specific than it was to the Blazers. They, they had addressed the Blazers. Now people took, he, he kind of laughed and chuckled and, you know, was trying to like hold back a smile, like Dame knows something. I think Dave probably does know some things from either from his agent. He has a great relationship with Chris Haynes. I, I'm sure he knows some things. I don't know how much Neil would include him in something unless it was CJ. I think if it was CJ, he would come to Dame and say, hey, we've got this deal. Are you okay with this? I think if it was anyone else, he probably just go ahead, goes ahead and does it. Maybe Nurkic, but I, I don't think Nurkic is going anywhere. I think if anyone were to go and it was a big trade, it would be CJ. He'd probably talk to Dame about that. Anyone else, if it's a Minu, Harkless, Turner, any of these other Collins, any of the rest of these people, I think Neil just does his thing and and it's that's just part of the NBA. I think it would be an interesting question to ask Dame about his relationship with Anthony Davis um, and just kind of see what his response would be. I know that they've been close in the past. Um, I just wonder if he would kind of lead on to anything if he has been talking to him, um, if he does stay in contact with him during the during the year. Um, it, it's just kind of weird that no one is even from all the sound bites I've heard. I haven't had I haven't heard anybody ask him about Anthony Davis specifically. And I'm I'm surprised that that doesn't come up. Um, but there's a lot of things our local media asks or more often doesn't ask that I'm surprised at. So maybe that's just small town here. You know, everyone sees each other a lot. They don't want to ruffle any feathers, so they don't do that. But it, it's certainly something I, I would want to know. And maybe it's an off-the-record thing, you know, where he wouldn't say. Uh, but I would be curious to know as well. All right, so we talked about some uh, trades the Blazers have made. Um, what about some other possibilities? You know, we got, like I said, less than 24 hours uh, before the trade deadline. Sounds like Portland is being active. I, I, every single trade rumor, it seems like, has the Trailblazers uh, attached to it in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, I would think that at this point, maybe they would be looking at an outside uh, a four, um, a stretch four, given that they've got their their wing. Um, what are your thoughts on on possible trades that the Blazers may uh, make in the next twenty four hours? I think they're probably looking. I, I, my guess is that it's more of a luxury tax move, and if they get something back out of that, great. I, I don't see them getting. I don't think you're going to get the big move. I would love to get someone like a Dario Saric, who's on a the last year, the next to last year of his rookie deal, uh, kind of a point forward guy that can shoot, pass, make good decisions. I, something like that, I think, would fit in great here, and that's fine as long as is as salary cap wise that they can make that work. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another one, but I think it would be more salary cap oriented than it's going to be. Hey, we have a new starting power forward, which we have needed for a long time. And, and I, li I like Aminu and his contract's not bad either, but he's, he's not a starting power forward on a contending playoff team. I think he's great off the bench, but I, I don't, I think something pretty small. I mean, it, they, they all do their due diligence right up to tomorrow, but that's just not Neil's 
style of doing things is, you know, even even one deal seems like, oh, like, hey, something finally happened. Now we're now we're hoping for two. Uh, it's been a while since since that's happened. Do you think if Portland were to trade Aminu, they would be able to get, uh, given he's an expiring contract, and they could get maybe a late first or a second rounder for him? They might be able to get a second rounder for him. I mean, he, he is a guy that can, can do some things, uh, guard a couple of different positions. He has shot it well in the playoffs. Now, that partially that's because that's the way teams design their defense against the Blazers is just basically to ignore him. But you have to give him credit. He has he has hit shots. So a team might like him for that. I, and, and maybe they get something for him. I mean, I would hate to see another player with an expiring contract go the you know the way of the back door for absolutely nothing. And that has just happened over and over and over with this Blazer franchise for it seems like quite a few years now. Yeah, I was thinking maybe something along the lines with uh, Sacramento. Um, I know that they're looking for some wing depth, uh, and given that he has versatility being able to play the three and the four, that they may be, maybe something that they were interested in, and they can um, they can definitely absorb some, some money that way. So um, that would be a cost savings and maybe get a little bit of an asset uh, in return. Yeah, the Kings are one of the few teams that's got salary cap money to play with. They would like a, a larger wing. Um, they talked about that on Woj's show that they just a little bit that they would like a larger wing. That they were looking at, at Porter. Um, difference between Porter and Aminu is quite a bit, both from a talent standpoint and from a contract standpoint. So I suggest splitting it in the middle and uh, Evan Turner. But that's just my. <laughs> that's a heck of a contract wishes, to take, though. Wishes, hopes. Did I say that out loud? Um. <laughs> So I, I know we had a couple of questions. I, I don't want this one to go too long. We had a couple of questions on the board that uh, people asked about. And one um, one was Riverman asked about um, Anthony Davis being a damaged superstar, kind of like what happened with Tracy McGrady. And there there is always that potential. He seems to get hurt every year i mean has he has he played a season where he's you know played more than how many seasons has he played more than 70 games even i don't if there, if it's any it might be one yeah i don't think it's uh it's two i, I can't think of one where he has it's two he's played 75 games twice and this year you know isn't finished and he's He's supposed to be able to come back now. Now he's apparently healthy and can come back, but the Pelicans are sitting him. But this is a guy that's missed, you know, 10 to 20 games pretty much every season of his career since he started. And I, he is an uber talented player. Um, I don't think it's to the point of, of McGrady, but I, I think you're going to deal with that. I mean, at some point, it, it's not it's not flukish. It's just that's who he is. He breaks down a little bit every single year. And so, again, how much do you want to give up for him? Um, although the Lakers would give up everything they've got. But, again, that package, very little was good in that package. It was a whole lot of, yeah. Meh. 
All right, another question we had. Um, any other superstar trades? Um, I, you know, Conley, I don't know if you'd call him a superstar. Um, Marcus All sounded like he was out the door last night. Sounds like that's cooled a little bit. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see, um, you know, you don't, you don't really know which way uh, Detroit's going. You know, in one, one sense, that it sounds like they're trying to blow it up, and then in another sense, they're, you know, trying to get out there, trying to get. Uh, um, Conley so you don't really know uh, what direction they're they're going if, if Blake's on the table or not um, but I, I, I think that there's a possibility that there could be a couple of uh, um, you know either max contract guys or you know um, guys who have uh, you know all-star potential or previous all-star experience that would be on the move in the next uh, uh, next day or so well the, the potential for a blockbuster deal is certainly there I mean you've got what we're 16, 18 hours left uh, until tomorrow. And Anthony Davis is, that has been bantered to death. Blake Griffin, it's been, he, he, he has asked out. He it's made it known he would like to be traded. Now, whether Detroit is, is up for that or not. Uh, with Sol Conley, both of those guys are certain, you know, certainly upper tier level players that would be considered a, a blockbuster deal. So where, where four of those guys exist like that, you know, just, just one or two of those, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of those went. And I, I almost wouldn't be surprised if Blake was the one. If, if it most likely, if I had to pick most likely, and you know, could be totally wrong. Well, I don't know about most likely because I think either Conley or Gasol or maybe both of those, those guys probably are the most likely. Then, yeah. then maybe Griffin and Davis, maybe at the end. I think I think the Pelicans figure that they can. There's enough of a chance that they can get from Boston this summer. That why why rush unless unless they get bowled over here at the end. All right, we'll do one last question. Um, if Portland was to make some sort of cap saving trade and they were offering a first and they could attach any bad contract they want. Who was your one player that they're attaching? I think it's pretty unanimous. It's gotta be Evan Turner for me. That, that con, I mean, Turner does some nice things for the Blazers, especially on the second unit, but not for the money he's being paid. That is, I mean, there, there's things that I may or may not like about some of the other contracts on the Blazers, but Turner's is Turner's is an anchor. It is, it is a big, huge dragging anchor. And unfortunately all of those, all of those contracts and, and they got, they were lucky to get out of crabs, but crab Harkless Turner and Leonard were all big dollar deals and all for four years. And the fact that none of those were staggered, you know, to give you an opt out every year over two, three, four years surprises me, but you know, that's, that's the way they decided to do it. And that's, you know, that's what they're stuck with now. So they've got a lot coming off next year, but so does everyone else. Turner's Turner's by far and away is, is the winner of that question for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's, that would be a unanimous just given the value of his contract. And um, I think that having hood now makes him a little bit more expendable just because hood is a little bit more of a, has the ability to make his own shots and uh, create his own shots uh, even though he's not near the uh, facilitator that that uh, Turner is, but I think with Nurkic's ability to be able to run the offense through him through the high post, 
um, that that Portland would have enough to be able to do that, especially if you were able to get someone like Saric, who's uh, who has the ability to, again, um, create some offense for for other people. And according to Alvin Gentry, Nikola Morodic will not be playing tonight. He will be sitting out. So, for what that's worth, along with his cryptic little puzzle tweet, I, I he I would imagine he would get traded. There's there's no reason for them to hold on to him. They get what you can out of him. He's an ending contract. Use it for your rebuild. He's not going to do anything for you this year. He'll be gone. Uh, he's going to go somewhere. It's just a matter of where. Okay. Give me a guess. How many trades are made between now and the deadline? Lucky number seven. All right. I'll I would go... love to tell you a fascinating reason for that. <laughs> I'll say 10. So if you're listening to this, why don't you uh, hit us up on Twitter or if you're on the S2 boards, uh, let us know what you think the number of trades are going to be. Um, what's your Twitter handle? TBPup22. Mine is uh, PJMiller16. Um, so I think that'll do it for today. I'm sure if something happens with Portland um, in the next uh, 24 hours, that maybe we'll do something um, fairly soon. Um, maybe uh, get a little bit of a breakdown on uh, any trades uh, Portland makes. All right. Well, ho hopefully we do have something to talk talk about. I, th this roster is ripe for a consolidation trade. I think it would make it would help define guys' roles, even if it's a small one. So I, I'm hoping there's at least one more, even if it's not the big blockbuster that we would like to see. All right, Larry. You have a great day. All right.